Hi, you're listening to Food People Are the Best People, a new podcast for people who love food from the Eat, Drink, Dine Network. I'm your host, Judy Ann Wu, and this podcast was inspired by my culinary hero, Julia Child, who once said, People who love to eat are always the best people. I'd have to agree. I believe that some of the best people in the world, the most fun, the most creative, the most passionate people you'll ever meet are people who are just maybe a little obsessed with food. On today's episode five, I'm talking with industry insider, Sherry Bayer, host and producer of All in the Industry podcast on Heritage Radio, founder of All in the Industry host, that's H-O-S-T Summit and Social, and founder and president of Bayer Public Relations in New York City. For over 30 years, Sherry has been working in the throes of the food industry, first at Charlie Trotter's namesake restaurant in Chicago, and then as a publicist for some of the country's top chefs and restaurants. She has been recognized by Total Food Service as one of the top women in Metro New York food service and hospitality and is on Heritage Radio Network's Hall of Fame. Sherry is also a contributing writer for Fathom, Forbes, Tasting Table, and Thrillist, a fearless solo traveler and diner, and someone I can always count on to have a perspective on industry happenings and where to find a great meal in any city. Welcome, Sherry. Hi, Judy Ann. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I know. I feel like I miss I miss you so much because normally I come to New York every year and you're one of the first people I call because I always want to see you and eat with you and kind of get the scoop on what's happening in the big city, which we didn't get to do that for the last two years. I know. I miss you. And I'm wondering when you're you're coming. <laughs> Like, I feel like things are starting to open up. I should book my trip soon, you know? I, I How is everything in New York? I feel like people are dining out, right? Dining in, I should say. People are dining out, dining in. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's been a challenging year for sure, or year plus at this point. Um, I live and work in Manhattan, so I've been here throughout. And now we're at a point where indoor dining is is happening outdoor dining i mean there's terraces now all around the city i think um, when I you like when you come so back you, right people got so creative with the whole outdoor dining thing in the winter time i was impressed so creative um really really amazing terraces have been built around the city i think you will be surprised to see the landscape as it as it has changed um we'll see how permanent all of these are but um yeah i give i give restaurateurs and chefs so much credit for being able to get through this very trying time and be creative to survive basically and you just got back from miami right you're at the south beach food and wine festival is that correct yes i went it was it was pushed back till this last weekend which was May 20th weekend. It's normally at the end of February. Um, They pushed it back. They were able to uh, get it up and running. I think it's the first big food festival to happen now since COVID. And I have to say it was very impressive. Um, It's always an impressive event. I I mean, by the size and just the organization, they do such an incredible job. And again, they came through and it was it was a wonderful weekend. Oh, I know. I think I saw all the chefs together and it was, you know, they went from like not seeing anybody to groups. Like you could see a bunch of chefs in one photo. <laughs> it, was, it was really nice to see. They look so, everyone looks so happy, right? <laughs> yeah, well, we, we had wonderful weather and yeah, it was, I mean, I have to say it was a little strange at first being around so many other people and then not having to wear a mask, you know, when you're outside and just, you know, socially distance is like all of this sort of has the rules of, of COVID have been changing. And the thing with the South Beach Wine Food Festival is naturally most of the events are outdoors and this year they did everything outside. So it felt very safe. I mean, they had, and they also had COVID protocol um, policies where you you needed to fill out um, 
you had to, uh, there was something online to fill out a questionnaire, making sure like you were either uh, like didn't have high, te high temperature or had the vaccine. Um, they took your temperature when you went into events and um, there was, you know, walking in and out, like, you know, you had to have your mask on. So there was protocol um, policies, but it did feel once, you know, being there, it felt very similar to past years. Like it still had the, the energy and amazing food and drinks. And so it was, it was really well done. Oh yeah, I miss, I miss food festivals. I miss I mean I, and I don't know. I feel like it was so nice to see that happening because then it gives me hope that there will be others in the future. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You've come to Portland a few times for Feast Portland. You know, I could count on you to see you to come to Portland to um for that. Yeah. You know, obviously that that didn't happen. It was kind of sad to not see it. And so anyway, I was really happy to see that South Beach was happening and chefs were out there and I had heard too that the everyone felt really safe about the whole thing. So it's, things are looking up. I know that it's still somewhat bleak and, you know, I feel like a lot of restaurants are not able to fully open because they can't get enough staff. That seems like the big issue these days. You know, they wanna expand their hours or open up more locations. Like some places had to close and it's the staffing. Do you think, do you think people are leaving the industry? I mean, well, why do you think it's so hard to staff um, restaurants these days? Um, I think, I think there's a, I think that's several reasons why I think when the pandemic hit, I think there's some people that, um, went back home or, or decided to, to take a, a shift away from the industry or do something else. I think everyone is hiring right now at the same time, which is not something you typically see. Typically it's like one new restaurant or two you know, or a few are opening at once. But right now everyone is reopening across the country and needs staff. Um, I also think there's some people that are have been on unemployment and might just be be happy with that still for the time being. Um, but I, I do think I think it's I think it's like for all these multiple reasons why why there's a shortage. Um, okay. And, but, uh, and also I just wanted to say with Feast, I'm hoping I would love to get back there for it. Is there any, is there any word in Portland about what's, what's going to yeah, happen in 2022 you know, I or? I just saw Mike Thielen, you know, founder of Feast the other day. Mm -hmm. and I don't know what I could, if I can say anything, but there's definitely some things happening in the works um, the summer even. Oh, uh, cool. It would be so nice to get people to show people how portland is doing you know portland has been in the news for the last year or so and you know not all of it very positive but i live here and it's still amazing and there's so much excitement and great things that are happening and unfortunately the media always likes to focus on you know the negative things and the sensational things right and so um it'll be nice for people to actually see it in person that you know obviously the city's been through a lot but the people here are just amazing and the food is the food scene is still so exciting but yes plan a trip i'll let you know as soon as i hear anything official <laughs> well i can't wait to get back yeah portland food scene is amazing and i so i assume you're you're also hearing there's the shortage of staff issues there as well it's not i i mean everything i hear is that it's across the country Oh, we talk about it all the time, like, you know, what it is and the other theories and everything that you said is absolutely true. Um, but yeah, it's I think it was, it's been a tough year for a lot of industries and restaurants, you know, restaurants unfairly got blamed for a lot of COVID outbreaks and spreading. And it's which I I don't think that's true at all. I think it's a contribution of so many different factors. And, you know, restaurants, that's all they do is you know, sanitation, safety, all this kind of stuff, just, you know, how they live. That's, it's always been that way prior to even COVID. So to blame restaurants, you know, and then, and then they want restaurants to help everything too. But it's like restaurants are the first, first industry to help when there's, there's a disaster or there's a crisis, you know, they're always, chefs are always volunteering their time, donating food. It's like, so I, yeah, I feel for that industry because then it's like, where, where's the restaurants? Where's everybody helping the restaurants, these neighborhood institutions? And it's so sad to see so many 
great restaurants close, like classic restaurants, places like in, even in New York City, I was so sad to see um, when they would cover like a classic place that would close that's been there for a hundred years or as long as I can remember. And they closed because of the pandemic and never to return. And I think we lose something, you know, because restaurants are obviously much more than just a place that you get food, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. They are. And it's it's been it's been such a tough year. It's been, I guess, you know, it's been nice and a positive note to see some of these restaurants that were closed the whole year and then now reopen like I'm thinking thinking like Balthazar, that was a big one that was basically shut down all last year and reopened about, I'd say six weeks ago. And I've, I've been there now twice. I had breakfast with someone and I went, I went solo dining for dinner and it was phenomenal. It was, it, at that time it was only 50% capacity mm -hmm. indoors for, for the dining in New York city. But the room had amazing energy. Service was incredible. Food was incredible. So it's like, I think I think I've always appreciated restaurants, but I feel there's even more of an appreciation for restaurants and the hard work that goes into them, and that you know survival. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I love, I love cooking and all and stuff like that. But there's nothing. I I love the surprise of going to a restaurant. You know, like when you order something, you might have a sense of what it's going to look like, but you didn't cook it and you didn't slice it. You didn't plate it. So when it comes to the table, it's a surprise. You're like, Ooh, you know, <laughs> I miss mm -hmm. that part. You know, I mean, if you cook, you know, I know you cook too. Um, you can pretty much make a lot of the things. It just takes a lot of, you know, maybe you don't want to put that much energy into it, but nonetheless, you probably could recreate a lot of the foods that you love, but I love having somebody else cook for me for sure. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, you know, when people, I don't, they're yeah. for dinner because they don't know what to make you. I was like, I will eat anything anybody else cooks. And I'm so delighted to have anything. It's delicious because I didn't have to make it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's true. Having someone cook for you is definitely uh, a wonderful thing and a luxury. And I found I live by myself and, cooking for myself or eating by myself in my apartment alone is not as exciting or interesting to me as eating solo in a restaurant just right. because even if I don't, even if I don't talk to anyone besides the, the server, I feel I, 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 it's an experience and I get the energy of the room and I feel like a part of, I am a part of something. That, so I think dining out is, it's more than just the food is, is really um, how it's, 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 I think that's what makes restaurants special. It's like bringing people together, um, the energy of it. So, and yes, to have someone make, make the dish for oh, me. Oh yeah, I know <laughs> so much. Let's, well, let's talk about solo dining. Cause I love that about you. Cause I love solo dining and, you know, and, and you're like, you're like kind of famous for being a solo diner because you travel all over the world and you eat at great places and you have no problem about it and people talk about it and you people you've been interviewed about just solo dining which is kind of a thing um so you know for for those who are kind of afraid to go to a restaurant by themselves because for whatever reason they feel kind of you know awkward do you have any tips <laughs> suggestions well yeah, it's fun. It's it's interesting to me because I didn't. It's not like I I didn't set out to be known for solo dining, but I I am at this point just because I have traveled so much, and it really came from my desire to see the world, experience restaurants, work for myself, and that I could just go. So I was just going. Um, I think I think for anyone who's intimidated by it. First of all, don't be like it's <laughs> it's it's not scary. It's it's like it, you will have a wonderful time. Uh, I mean, a, a a good first place or or tip is just sit at the bar if if you're not comfortable dining at a a, a table. I mean, I've done solo dining at white tablecloth restaurants and tasting menus. And actually, I think tasting menus are awesome as a solo mm -hmm. diner because there's so much happening there's there between courses and right. you can really focus on the food. You're not distracted talking to 
you're a companion or worried about anything but just your experience. Right. So, so tasting menus are awesome, but yeah, a first time, like if you're intimidated with solo dining, go to a restaurant that has an awesome bar. I mean, you'll immediately have, you'll naturally have conversation with the bartender. People are in close proximity to you. Well, now it's six feet. But <laughs> <laughs> We're getting there. Um, and, and you can easily strike up a conversation with someone or you'll just feel you just kind of feel included in the energy a little more when you're when you're at a bar. Right. Yeah, I know. I I am a um I love people and I love restaurants and I you know, I can talk to anybody especially on the topic of food for, you know, total strangers, but I also, you know, I'm a bit of an introvert and I am totally fine just being by myself and when you mentioned that you can really concentrate on the food, that's one thing that I like because, you know, when you're dining with someone, you're catching up, you want to hear what they're up to, you're, you know, it's it's a, you're there as much for the company, the companionship as you are for the food. And, you know, so, and when you're a serious foodie, you're really concentrating on what's on the plate and you really want to taste the flavors and check it out. And sometimes you may be like, a dis deconstruct the dish, like, you know, take it apart a little bit and really figure out what those flavors are. It would be awkward to do that with another person because suddenly you're like very quiet because you're tasting or you're like poking around your plate or stuff like that. So there are, I, you know, I find that I can be more into the food if I'm by myself. Do you find yeah. that to be the case? <laughs> no, absolutely. Because it's just a different experience when you're, when you're dining with someone or, or many people, you're, you're, you're there for the the companionship and the conversation right. and you're eating too. But when you're by yourself, the, sh the whole show is the, the, the eating and the <laughs> drinking and the, the, the experience of the restaurant without distractions. Yeah, for sure. And um, I know that, you know, some places, some places that they don't even let you make a reservation for one. I mean, it's changing now, certainly in this country, but you know, some of the, more fine dining places or kind of the famous, you know, that you must make a reservation for two. I have another friend who's like a solo diner and he's like, can I just make it for two and just pay for the other, but like, you don't have to bring the other course. Like that's, you know, he's just kind of like, well, I don't have anybody else. Or like, what do you do? Go on Craigslist and say, I just need you to sit there and like <laughs> pay for your dinner. Yeah. No, I've come across that a couple of times in my, in my restaurant, um, mm -hmm. reservations, uh, seeking out to make a, 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 a single reservation and it not being available. And even now I find sometimes the reservation systems aren't set up for one. And right. so I'll sometimes make it for two people and either call the restaurant, let them know. Um, because I, I don't know why sometimes they just don't think to put it in for one in the system. Right. But then there are also restaurants that uh, don't really, I don't, I mean, I'll say this is from many years ago and I think they've changed their policy. Mm -hmm. But I remember I tried to go to Alinea in Chicago and they, yeah. their policy was you had to, you had to buy the table. Like if you were a party of one, you still had, you had to get two seats or reserve for two, pay for mm -hmm. the table. Um, and I ended up going there with a friend like two years later. So I didn't go solo, but I think they might have changed their policy since then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that because, you know, it's the same amount of work because it's re the real estate wise that they don't have a table for one. So mm -hmm. table one is basically you're taking up two spots. So, I mean, I get that. But I think that people I think it is changing. You know, I think that people are especially when you travel like when i travel it's my opportunity to eat places that i've never eaten before and i don't want the fact that i'm not with someone to limit my my you know my desire to go check these places out you know and yeah and I, I my advice to other people is like don't let that what might feel somewhat because people don't notice they don't they're not like looking at you going why is she alone she has no friends or <laughs> It's like, no. You know, especially, especially now, I think it's, there are more and more people dining alone. I mean, I've, I've noticed that over the past few years that it's become more, say, popular or common. And mm -hmm. I'll say my, actually my favorite place to sit solo 
is at a chef's counter because oh that's God. where the action is and it's mm -hmm. it's entertainment watching the chefs and and also it's the same idea as a bar where you're just you're you're you know you're connected you're you're close to other people you're kind of in the action mm -hmm. so. yeah I'm, uh, it's one of my favorite things to do is watch chefs plate <laughs> like that yeah yeah it's 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 entertainment and 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 amazing to see the beautiful creations so right. the artistry that goes into like plating of food and just the movement the fluidity of the whole thing like that is you know if you especially um you know chefs that are doing it really well it's it's like a ballet to watch them do this thing and to be also to expedite is you know they're just it's they're they're watching all the different stations and they're just they don't they know at what stage all the plates are at and bringing the courses together it's like this total movement this uh conductor conducting this orchestra of this restaurant of getting the food out i find that like just fascinating i love watching that too I I 100% agree. And then I'll find sometimes you're watching, I mean, the speed of things and, and how they're making this whole thing happen, executing all these dishes going out. And then it, it, there's a part of the night, all of a sudden you're sitting there and they're wiping down the kitchen and they're like done with yeah. like the last courses have gone out. And you're like, wait, really? Like it's over? <laughs> I know it really is like a restaurant service is a lot like putting on a show because mm -hmm. you have like it's this all this this crescendo of activity and you have people you know it's like a production and then at the end of the day you know encore blah 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 it's all wrapped up and they do it again the next day you know it's really it's definitely um interesting for sure but oh when we're talking about solo dining that reminded me like when I was in Korea it's the Korean culture is you it's not even that they don't allow you to dine in by yourself at a restaurant. You can go in and like get like noodles or something like that. But like for the most part for restaurants is it's really seen as like socially not acceptable to dine out because it's eating out is a very social thing. And so they look at you like, where are your people? Why are you, why are you by yourself? <laughs> you know? and yeah. So I, I think it's different in different cultures for sure, but I'm glad to see that a lot more people feel comfortable doing it. And, you know, Personally, I love the idea of like, you know, you know, those little uh, Japan, they have those little ramen rooms where you go in and you don't even have to interact with anybody. You just place your order like it's like a vending machine or whatever. And like a curtain goes up and then they slip you your bowl of ramen mm -hmm. and then they shut the door. Like, personally, I love that because there are definitely foods that I don't want to eat in front of other people, like not on a date or anything like that. But, you know, <laughs> really like slurp and enjoy and I don't know, eat with your fingers or something like that. And I honestly don't want anybody watching me while I'm doing that. So. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, sometimes I think about this too, like the the idea when we're eating out with other people, it, it's it's challenging. You're you're eating. You're having a conversation. It's harder than if you're by yourself. You don't you don't have to talk. Oh, I know. I know. We were just laughing about that at my house because we were eating, and you know, like the. So, you know, we haven't eaten, we didn't eat out for such a long time. And when you're eating at home, you just kind of, you forget all your table manners. And we're like, what are we going to do when we go out in public again? You can't like be licking your fingers and getting food all over the place. And like, you know, like, you have to use your silverware properly and all this kind of right. stuff. Like, we had to reorient ourselves for the public, for public eating. It's not all, you know, it's different when you're at home eating, on the, eating at the coffee table. <laughs> yeah. And maybe taking, switching from your sweatpants. <laughs> Yeah, we're all we're all coming out. We all have to re, re you know relearn what it's like to uh, be in public these days for sure. <laughs> yeah, it is. So, have you eaten at any um, fun places recently? I noticed that it's kind of cool that places are opening, like new restaurants are opening. I don't know if they they probably had planned to open like right before the pandemic, and then of course either they had to shut down right away or they never got to open. But I feel like there's been a bunch of new openings everywhere, which is great. Um, good for them. Yeah, there, there, there's definitely been more openings all of a sudden in the past couple of weeks. Um, mm -hmm. Even if you just are reading the New York Times off the menu column, you notice like Florence Fabrican has a, a lot, a lot to say now about new restaurants opening. Um, there's been a couple uh, Indian restaurants that have opened that I've been to that are both excellent. I would, uh, one uh, is Sona, which mm -hmm. opened in the Flatiron District. And 
Um, it's a little more high-end uh, Indian type cuisine. Um, and then another one is uh, Damaka, which opened at uh, Essex Street Market, and they're doing, it's like Indian street food. And um, I had excellent meals at both of them. Mm -hmm. well, so good energy, people are excited to be out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fun to see that places are opening up and, uh, you know, for a while it, there was nothing, like I feel like some of my joy is, um, the cities that I usually visit when people say there's something's opening and I hear some good buzz about it. I like put it on my mental list of, okay, next time I'm in that city, I'm going to eat there, go check it out. Like, but there's, yeah. you know, everybody has, everybody has their joys, you know, and I, I don't play sports. I don't watch sports. I do, you know, there's lots of things I don't do, but for me, it's like following basketball or following whatever. It's like I follow restaurants, you know? Well, that's why I, you and I are friends. <laughs> I mean, there's many reasons, but that we're right. very similar that way. We, we restaurants are our sport. <laughs> right. Exactly. And so, you know, you want to, I always want to, whenever I come, I, I always want to eat someplace classic, you know, I, I would just want to make sure that they stay in business, you know, that kind of thing, you know, mm -hmm. like an institution. I like to go visit those things um, and appreciate it. I don't live there anymore. So I want to go back and appreciate and kind of live my life from the past, like New York in the nineties or whatever. And then I always want to eat at the latest and greatest. And it's kind of funny because when I come there, people are like, like the New, the New Yorkers are like, I haven't even eaten there yet. It's like, but I'm dedicated because I only have five days, you know, yeah. breakfast, lunch and dinner, breakfast, lunch and dinner. So I like have to space it out. Whereas if you live someplace, you're like, I'll get to it. You know, it's like, yeah, uh, I'll get to it when I get to it. You know, there's a certain urgency, like when you're traveling to go see it and do as much as you can. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I feel you. And I think, um, I mean, this year when, when, or last year more so with limited restaurants that were open or when they were started doing outdoor dining or takeout, I found myself going to the places where I, uh, you know, I knew and liked the chefs and really wanted to support them and their, to see their survival, mm -hmm. um, like Gramercy Taverns, like a good one that's I've, you know, went back to, I sat outside, it was awesome. Um, just trying to support the industry and and help, help them get through with my solo meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, I did see you, you would order like a lot and you'd be like, oh, well, I'll take that home and I'll eat, I'll eat yeah. part over ordering all the stuff you know and sometimes when you're just solo you you may not be able to finish it all but you definitely still want to try everything <laughs> yeah yeah i've i've started ordering dessert more i think solo i used to i used to always skip it and now i i'll get it sometimes because i'm you i'm that's one thing i like to share i like mm -hmm. to share a dessert with someone because i'm just gonna have a few bites but sometimes i just um indulge a little bit <laughs> sometimes you, should, you don't need to eat the whole thing that's what i tell people you know it's it's the it's joy enough to just try it and if you want to try it just get like you know, i want to mm -hmm. the group and they're like oh i don't know which dessert to get or whatever let's just get all of them they're like the yeah. all the yeah yeah like you know it's it's a, we're here let's just try them all we don't have to finish them all but let's just try them you know again why we're friends yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, and share. So I wanted to ask you, what was the last thing you ate before you got on this uh, call? <laughs> oh, it's so not that exciting. <laughs> I had Chobani yogurt with blueberries. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay, okay. Maybe the last meal out, or did you go out? Or order? <laughs> the last meal out. Well, last meal out. Um, I last night I was actually at Sona. This uh, okay. in, um. I had been there once solo and I, I went back with uh, a publicist friend who works with them last night and we sat outside mm -hmm. and it was it was wonderful. We had a butter chicken and this beautiful prawn dish and um, yeah, everything was was terrific. Oh, sounds good. I think what was the last thing I ate? I ate, uh, I'm trying to clean out the refrigerator because I'm solo parenting and <laughs> I ate <laughs> I ate cold pizza. This is funny. I ate, Gregor was on a road trip. So he did, you know, normally he makes like, he makes really nice pizza at the house, but he loves pizza. So he's on his motorcycle and he got, he stopped and he got pizza, but it was like, you know, like what you, I don't know how you describe it, but like, I, I think of it as like nowhere pizza, like no city, like, you know, all the pizza that happens in between big cities, that 
style of pizza, <laughs> that kind yeah. of non no style pizza. Anyway, he got one of those, and but he brought it home because it was it was just himself. He couldn't eat the whole pizza, but he um so I and he brought it home and then he left for another trip. So I'm trying to eat the stuff out of the refrigerator and then I it's that pizza and then I just talked to um John Becker and Megan Scott who are the editors of Joy of Cooking and we were talking about kind of embarrassing foods or not nobody should be embarrassed about anything they eat that's I firmly believe that but I was just trying to kind of ask them what funny thing that they eat that maybe they wouldn't be so like telling people in an interview and their thing was like they John likes pizza cold pizza with like ketchup and I was like what <laughs> like and so I tried it because I had this cold pizza with me, this that type of pizza, which is like not, you know, artisan pizza. And I had it with ketchup. That's what that's the last thing I ate before the call. It was like, and and not would bad. You... It's okay. Like, you know, it's kind of like where people eat. Uh, do they do this on the East Coast? Because it's very popular on the West Coast. They would dip um, pizza and ranch dressing. Did they ever do that? Did they I do that? I think it's a Midwest thing. <laughs> they don't really. I grew up in Miami. It's definitely not a Miami thing. But I, I think I went to, I went to school in Michigan. I went to University oh. of Michigan, and that is definitely a a Midwest thing. Oh, it was a ranch dipping part of the country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So people love ranch. Oh yeah. I mean, I love. I, I well, I say I love ranch, but then I don't. I don't put ranch on things typically that it doesn't belong on, you know, like some people, they put ranch on everything. I'm not, you know, but when I grew up, when I was growing up um, in our school cafeteria, we talk about school cafeterias quite a bit on this pod podcast because <laughs> it was my orientation to American food. But um, it, we had these lunch ladies and they would make these really delicious uh, rolls, like dinner rolls, but they were fresh and they were super fluffy and they just came out of the oven. They were fantastic like really delicious and for a quarter you could get a roll like like the size of your face like really ginormous roll and the thing to do was get a side of ranch because they always had ranch for carrot sticks and stuff like that so it was like the thing was you bought you get a, a quarter roll like a 25 cent roll and then you get a side of ranch and you would tear the roll and dip it in ranch and it was so good and anybody who i went to school with in my generation, in my school district, who I happen to like run into now, like at a Costco or whatever. And if I were to ask them, do you remember the rolls from grade school with the ranch dressing? And they would be like, oh, they were so good. So oh, do you wow. have anything like that from like, did you eat school lunch in Miami when you're growing up? Um, I did not. I didn't eat the cafeteria lunch. I brought lunch and my typical lunch was peanut butter and jelly with the crust cut off because oh, I didn't yeah. like mm -hmm. crust. And I'll, I'll give, you know, my, my dad would make these sandwiches for me. My dad was not, my mom did the cooking growing up, but for some reason, my dad made the best peanut butter and jelly. So he would, he would make them and yeah, the crust, I, I did not want crust. Um, but that was typically what I ate. Yeah. Well, let's, you know, if, uh, when that was what Dave Arnold was saying that like we are of the last peanut butter and jelly generation because then peanut allergies and whatnot. And now there's like a peanut in <laughs> schools and things like that. But it was, it was definitely the most, I think the most popular sandwich to bring, um, the, when I was growing up, but you're right. It's kind peanut of out now. Certainly, one that never got made fun of, you know. <laughs> so yeah, just, and but but the you know your thing with the rolls and the ranch. I've I mean I never heard of that, and I like. But I was thinking I I like French fries dipped in ranch. I mean that I could go for right about now. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do love a good homemade ranch dressing. It's fun to see. Like I like condiments. Um, yeah, I was talking to somebody how uh, Green Goddess Dressing is coming back. How, well, it's been back for the last few years, but you know, it was really popular, I think, in the 70s. And then no one really talked about it. And I remember the first time I read about it, maybe it was in like, uh, what is that cooking, that cookbook? I can't remember now. It's totally escapes me. It was in one of those classic cookbooks that everyone has. It's that red and white one that everyone has on their bookshelves. And um, there's, they talk about Green Goddess Dressing, and I never had it before, but I just love that name green goddess dressing like what's your favorite dressing it's like french ranch whatever it's like green goddess like i just wanted to say like my favorite dressing yeah 
So it was so nice when it came back and it's really delicious. I didn't have it. I, di I never had it until I was an adult, like, and only maybe a few years ago. And now I love it. Like it's, you could have it hot. You can, you can um, obviously use it as a dip. Um, you can even marinate chicken in it. So you can marinate it, just get that dressing, rub it all over your chicken, bake your chicken in it. It's super delicious. There was a there was a recipe in the New York Times for that. I think the summer during COVID, I saw that. It's so good. I'm gonna but have to just go and buy some now. <laughs> what's your favorite condiment? I like to ask people this. Who say there's people who don't like condiments, but since you said you like condiments, oh, I love condiments. Um, oh, I don't know. Favorite. Um, what's in your What's in your refrigerator right now? Well, I, I mean, I like to put sriracha on things like <laughs> like when I make eggs or even, you know, avocado. Like, I don't know. It adds like a kick. Yeah, um, sriracha is awesome. Like, I don't know a single kitchen anywhere that doesn't have a, a squeeze bottle of sriracha. Like, it doesn't yeah. matter if you're, in a, you're, if you're like in a classic French restaurant, a Japanese restaurant, an Asian restaurant, an Indian restaurant. You're going to find a bottle of sriracha. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and that, but uh, growing up, didn't have that growing up. And, oh, yeah, definitely um, did it. Yeah. And my parents don't like spicy food, so they, they don't have one in, in their refrigerator. But a, another condiment I really like is like a, a spicy um, honey mustard dressing, oh, yeah. like mm -hmm. not dressing, but I there's one, there's one that I buy that I just, it's like, it has a kick to it. So mm -hmm. it's, it's like a, a sweeter mustard, I guess. Right. So I like condiments because they're kind of like a shortcut to flavor. Mm -hmm. flavor you know, like, it's just like, you just um, like everything that needs a little pop of, you know, cause you can obviously add flavor as you're cooking and layering and your seasonings and all that kind of stuff. But it's like, sometimes, you know, it's just a little, I feel a little lazy, you know, and I just want to, have cheese and crackers but it's kind of boring and but i need a little pop of flavor and so you throw a interesting condiment on it and suddenly it's like delicious it's like a gourmet meal <laughs> yeah do you have a favorite condiment well yeah. no but I, when people ask me because i ask the condiment question um, yeah i like to be somewhat controversial or just you know i like to get people talking so i usually say ketchup and people are like ketchup because you know ketchup gets a bad rap and i was like i like I like ketchup. I have ketchup in my fridge. <laughs> I love ketchup. And I, I like it because it hits all the flavor notes. It's sweet. It's savory. It's tangy. It's, you know, it's got all these qualities. So it's like perfectly balanced. And so mm -hmm. that's what I like about ketchup. But, you know, I'm not eating ketchup on my like well done steak. Like this is not, I'm not putting ketchup like things like that. I'm only well, putting ketchup on things that you should eat that are acceptable to have ketchup with. It's interesting. Well, like pizza. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a new one for me. Yeah. I had to try it because, you know, they are, they are, I respect their palates. And for them to say like, it's good. I was like, oh, okay, I'll try it. Not bad. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think how t taste or my taste ch has changed since I was a kid, because the only way I would eat eggs when I was a child was with ketchup. Oh, really? Yeah. And I don't know how common that is, but I think it's, I think you could justify it or justify it a little bit with, if you have, um, a lot of people put ketchup with their hash browns. Right. So if you have that all in a plate, it all kind of mixes together. But yeah, I, that was as a, as a child, I, I had ketchup with eggs. Yeah. Well, you can definitely hide a lot of things with ketchup, like ketchup's yeah. universal, you know, uh, put ketchup on it, you know. So are you like, do you put on hot dogs? This is where it gets controversial. Do you put, um, would you put ketchup on a hot dog or are you just a pure mustard kind of that kind of person? See, I'm, I feel like I'm flexible. <laughs> like I don't need to have it the same way every time. You're, the but fact I, that you're flexible, it means you're, you're a ketchup okay person because the people who are not flexible, they get so angry at the mere mention of ketchup anywhere near a hot dog. Like they don't, they, they, they automatically, you're not even allowed to have a hot dog. Yeah. And I think for me, if I was going to dress a hot dog right now, I would put ketchup and mustard on it. I would put everything on it. You know, maybe some relish too. Like I would just go all out. You eat the hot dogs in New York City? What are they the, They call them the carts? You know, I really never do. I I typically get a hot dog at a, a, a baseball game. Oh, that's those are the best. I don't know what it is, but... 
I don't go to sports, but when I go, when, <laughs> when I do, cause I, you know, I, I say, I don't like actively go, like I don't seek it out, but I've had opportunities to go to sporting events, like really nice sporting events. And when I go, I get so excited about what I'm going to eat because like, and I'm the person for the whole group. I'll be like, I'll go get the food because, you know, like I'm not afraid of missing anything. So I'll take everyone's order and I'll go stand in concessions for like an hour. I'll be gone during half the game. But I'm like checking out all the options and, you know, but the, yeah, you're right. Like the hot dog at those games, the like baseball game is so good. The Coca-Cola, like I don't drink a lot of soda, but soda pop like coca-cola tastes so good when you go to any sporting event i don't know what it is yeah i'm with you on that it kind of it just goes together because i don't drink a lot of soda either but like the fountain soda mm -hmm. at a ball game with a hot dog and yeah that's like it's it's a part of the experience good stuff <laughs> i know someday i was i used to watch uh, wimbledon when i was a kid um and it wasn't so much like the tennis although I, you know i watched tennis whatever but they would talk about like uh, strawberries and cream like you get when Wimbledon and I'd, I've never seen it like they don't show you like there was no Instagramming the strawberries and cream at Wimbledon. But in my mind as like a, you know, 10 year old watching Wimbledon um, in the summertime, I'd be like, what does it look like? Is it like whipped cream? Is it like sweetened cream? Like, is, does it come in a bowl? <laughs> like, was the idea of these like English people eating strawberries and cream. Like, I was really curious to know what it is. Oh, I still, I actually still, like if anybody knows, let me know. Well, I, I actually know. Oh, you do? <laughs> well, a couple years ago, I was in London and it was during Wimbledon and I went I, have, I mean, it's a great story. I went by the stadium and I didn't have a ticket and I ended up, a woman outside was selling tickets and she was a very proper woman. Anyways, I, I was able to buy a ticket and it was, it was scalper, like, she was a very helper, right? <laughs> a little proper. Yeah. Scalper. Yeah. But my seat ended up being in the first row of the, like the, not the main court, but oh the other, this, I don't know. I, 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 I scored. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> So, so I got, I got this, um, uh, this, this, this dessert when I was there because everyone was, it's what everyone was, it was, it was there and it, it basically came in a bowl um, mm -hmm. and it was delicious, but it felt a little weird. I mean, I, again, I'm more of a, I have okay, hot dogs. Let's, down. let's, uh, let's strawberries, they're sliced, they're fresh strawberries, I imagine sliced. They were sliced in a bowl with uh -huh. the, like on top of like kind of mixed but on on top of the cream and the cream was sweetened it was just it was sweetened cream. it was sweetened it went well together see that sounds delicious wait and do you have to go stand in a concession thing or does like a strawberries and cream like do they come around and like announce it they didn't come around from what i saw but there were multiple places to buy it it uh -huh. was it wasn't like there was just one spot it was yeah. definitely um um, in different sections and the right. thing to get. Cause I, 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 I think I, you know, I was just following the lead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when in, when in London, exactly. Um, that, would be, that would be, I would be really excited about that. Like I've never, um, I haven't been to Disneyland since I was like a kid, you know, and I didn't go like on a family trip. I actually went on a school trip was the last time I've been to Disneyland. And when I was there, I didn't get to eat all the Disneyland food. And I have no interest really in going to Disneyland. But I keep asking my children every now and then because they're going to age out pretty soon. Although I know some people think Disneyland is, you know, there's no age limit. But I'm I'm curious about all the Disneyland food you know, because there's certain things you're supposed to eat when you go there. So I, I look at that as the same way. It's like I'm not necessarily excited about the other things, but the 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 food around it, not that it's like rule class food or anything, but the traditions around it, you know, that's what I like is the traditions of when you go here, you eat this, when you do that, you eat this like that. For me, the food is what ties that experience into like a memory. Like if I eat some food attached to something, I remember that whole experience so much better. I don't know if yeah. that's the way the brain works. But <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, if I'm thinking of, of, of Disney World, I'm thinking of like the Mickey Mouse ice cream cone, just because it's fun to like eat the like you know it's shaped like a, like with the little ears and. <laughs> what are they, what are they, I, I should bring on some sort of like Disneyland fanatic, but there's like a whole there's like whole things about like there's the Froyo, oh not the Froyo, there's that the fr the 
the pineapple, what is that frozen pineapple thing? What is that called? <laughs> you uh -huh. know, whip, Dole Whip, which you can get other places now, but there's a Dole Whip. There's like the apple fries. There's like the hot yeah. corn dog. There's something, there's very specific things. I don't know this kind of stuff because I haven't done my research, but. And this, yeah, this is not my expertise, but. Even the opportunity, <laughs> like if I knew I was going to go, I would map out. I would map out what I was going to eat for sure. But, um, but you know, oh, you know, when you travel too, you know, like if you go to some place, I mean, you came mm -hmm. I remember when you came out to, um, you know, Oregon, you were here for in Portland, but it was like, let's go to the coast, you know, let's go get some seafood, you know, like that's part of the thing. It's we're so close to the ocean. Why don't we go, you know? Yeah, no, I'm all, I'm all about that with travel and destinations, like mm -hmm. to eat or experience what, that place is known for. I mean, that's what's exciting about travel, you, right. you know, being able to try different cuisines and. Yeah, I, I mean, that's people go someplace and they go like they go overseas and they go eat at a McDonald's. I mean, I can I was, see why you would go just to see the crazy McDonald regional things that they have there, but like not to eat or to eat in that hotel and eat continental food. <laughs> I was I was about to say the same thing. It's it's the same with when you see when you see tourists in Manhattan eating at some of the chain restaurants that they can get this, that food anywhere. And I think that's what they like, that there's a consistency or, you know, what you're going to get. But I mean, I, I don't know if you're in New York city, but I don't like those people. I mean, well, yeah. I don't like them, but like, we, I want to say what's come on, you know, I, I don't you want to like enlighten them? Like when you see somebody standing in line to go to Olive Garden, Olive Garden, you're like, you yeah. know where you are. You're in the greatest food city in all the land, you know. Absolutely. Any recommendations? Let me point you in the direction of something delicious. Yeah, I definitely want to guide people to try something different. It doesn't have to be expensive, you know. Just Absolutely. go down to Joe's and get like a good slice, you know, just to just that experience or you know something that says defines New York cuisine right. for, that's what i say get know. a um get a get a slice get a slice of new york style pizza eat a hot dog from the cart get those little peanuts from the guy who sells peanuts on the corner get a taco you know you <laughs> know get on the subway go to like you know like that kind of thing like you don't mm -hmm. have to spend a lot of money at all but you know you get a sense of the place and you get a sense of the history and it's and it's fun too, you know. It's fun to like when I'm in New York. I like you know you, the, the there's all all this fancy coffee now, right? There's fancy coffee everywhere, but I still love to just go into a bodega and get little coffee in that blue little cup, <laughs> get like a little breakfast uh, sandwich for like a dollar. Uh, it's still a dollar, but like you get a little sandwich. It might be a dollar fifty at this point. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that's part of the whole, like, and maybe I'm nostalgic. Everyone says I'm nostalgic because I don't live there anymore. But, um, like, I, I look forward to those little, like, cheap thrills <laughs> in New York. No, I'm with you. But that's, I don't think, I'm like you. And I assume people listening to this show are probably like us. But not everyone is. Not everyone cares as much or is as um, interested. Yeah, for many people, food is just like sustenance. It's just to get something to get by mm -hmm. their hunger or whatever. Or, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't get, I don't get it. But I, I mean, I do get it. But I <laughs> don't want to. I don't want to hang out with them too long. I always think. I always wonder. You know, like when you think people who hate all animals, like all animals. I understand if you don't want a pet. Okay, I get it. But you hate all animals, or if they don't like children, what all children? I think you have no soul. Uh, same thing. It's like, if you don't like food, what is like, cause I understand maybe you don't like fancy food. Maybe you don't like spicy food. Maybe you don't like ethnic food, but if somebody can't get excited about something food related, then I feel like they have no soul. Even if it's just category, it's like what your mother's cooking a fame, uh, like a dish that you remember or one place that has some sort of fond memory. For me, it's like when I, somebody doesn't have that, I, I, I wonder about their inner character. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like there must be something. Maybe I'm just not asking the right questions because I'm not um, tapping into something. But it's always fun to hear, like, what it is 
what it, it you know what it is because it doesn't like you said it doesn't have to be fancy it doesn't have to be expensive but you know it is for me food is so much a part of that memory you know like you smell certain things and instantly it takes you back to that time and place you know or or you see something like a you know a packaging or wrapper from like that you remember from a long time ago you like you it's a flood of memories you know maybe we're just wired that way no, I agree completely. And I, I just don't, I don't think um, some people just, they're just not, I don't know. They don't, they don't seek out food like we do. It is more just a sustenance survival, but okay. there's so many delicious foods and, and I, I just love variety and experiencing new things. Like yeah. that's just part of who I am that I get excited to try things I've never had before. Right. But I, that same sort of excitement comes for other things too. Cause if you're, if you're the kind of person who gets excited about trying a new food or new flavor or new, whatever preparation, because I feel like that's the same kind of person who would get excited about learning something new or experiencing something new, you know, it's just kind of like a zest for life, <laughs> you know? Yeah. For sure. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question about um, if you could wake up tomorrow and have any skill whatsoever, um, you didn't have to practice, you didn't have to do anything, but suddenly you have a new skill in life, what would that be? Um, play a musical instrument, because I don't. Yeah. Maybe what like... What would you like to play? Well, the two two instruments that I always was most interested in was saxophone oh, and really? drums. So I'd like <laughs> to be able to play them both. Instruments, two totally different yes. ones. Yes. Both, both super practical in real life. <laughs> <laughs> well, the drums will probably I feel it's hard to learn drums or or, or because there's issues, noise issues. Uh, I don't think my surrounding neighbors would like that as much. They'd probably like the sound of a saxophone being played right. out of my apartment better. I feel like when people who are learning drums, you can't kind of learn drums. You either have to decide yeah. you're going to learn drums or you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but my next door neighbor, when I lived in Brooklyn, um, he he was a, a drummer in a band. I mean, he was a, he was a very cool uh, graphic designer, but he was actually in a very popular band. I don't know if I should say, but he was in a very popular band on the side. And he had like a he had lots of different drums in his apartment, but he, he would play. Um, he had these electric drums. And all you'd hear is this tap, 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 tap. And he'd wear headphones and he was hearing the drums, but everybody else just heard this tap, 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 tap. And it was it was really crazy, but he was so good. I, yeah. When I think of food, I also think of him because he famously had nothing in his refrigerator, but um, he would always have a two liter thing of Coca-Cola, classic Coca-Cola, and he he kept uh, reams of paper in his refrigerator and oven because he was a graphic designer. He had all this paper and he would keep paper in his oven. I said, that doesn't seem very safe. And he would keep uh, um, art, art supplies in his refrigerator. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, he was he was young and single. You know, that's what you do. You just <laughs> in the city. So, anyway, he was a cool guy. <laughs> um, okay, and then do you have any uh, kitchen tricks or tips? Because I know you cook. You like to cook. Kitchen tricks or tips? Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I just keep do you it. Have a simple. favorite tool? Do you have a favorite tool in the kitchen? A favorite. What a lot tool. of use in your kitchen. I mean, I have like one saute pan I use the most for kind of everything. And I mean, I keep it simple. I mean, I'm kind of living by myself. I'm not. You have to be minimal in your kitchen. You can't you can't have every single gadget because just, people just don't have the room, you know? Yeah, well, that's I'm my apartment in New York City compared to your house <laughs> or, or a bigger a bigger kitchen. Um, you definitely have to be limited. I have a t I have a lot of pots and pans, but I'm with you. Like I have a favorite, I have a favorite pan and I use it all the time. And Gregor likes to collect cast iron pans, which to the bane of my existence, because I they are so heavy and they I, I don't like Yeah, them. I have one, but I don't use it much because it is so heavy. <laughs> it's so heavy. I just feel like 
us with slight wrists. We cannot like, we're not flipping anything in a cast iron skillet, you know? I understand that they're great to have. They hold all the heat, you know, fried chicken in it. I totally get it. I mean, I have cast iron. I use it to make my Dutch babies and all this kind of stuff. But if like, he will just get out the cast iron to like heat something. And I'm like, and I, of course, most of the time I do the dishes. I stop him right there and go, no, 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 no. Get a lighter pan, like get a lightweight pan because A, you have to clean it and then you have to be like the seasoning of it. Like you can't just like wash it and just like, like you have to clean, you have to dry it and then you have to rub a little. Anyway, it requires way too much babysitting. So I'm all in favor of, uh, I have this really lightweight, um, not too expensive uh, nonstick pan. <laughs> and then when it when it loses its non-sticky ability whatever i just get rid of it and i get a new one and i don't feel like a big heartache about it because it didn't cost like you know two thousand dollars so yeah and that it just reminded me actually my favorite pan i have this little baby skillet and i'm not sure how i got it it might have been gifted and in like a, a gift bag at some point um it's perfect to do one egg, like, you know, the type of egg you, you, you put on top of, uh -huh. of anything. Um, and it's tiny and I, I the, it just makes me happy. This teen, this little oh pan. I love it. I feel like I need this pan. I have a tiny, tiny uh, nonstick pan too, which I love. And it's, but it's about the size of maybe two eggs. But I like the idea of the one egg, like the tiny, yeah. like, sounds tinier than mine. And and I can do, I don't know, in my in my cooking solo time when I'm having fun, I can do a flip with it. Like I can flip my egg over because um, <laughs> it's it's light on the wrist. Right. Why are you not flipping pancakes on Instagram? I want to see this with your tiny little pan. <laughs> I, I will. I will. Um, if I do so, you'll be the first person I tag. <laughs> making pancakes, making, making pancakes. That's the first thing that we made when we moved into this house is uh, we made pancakes and he uh gregor shot a video and we played that song making pancakes because you know we got it was a brand new it was well not brand new it was a, we live in a very old house but it was being remodeled and we had a brand new stove and the first thing we, you know you gotta break it in and so we made pancakes so in our house it's the legendary uh, first meal of the house anyway well, that, um, it seems everyone that has kids kids love pancakes right <laughs> It's, I just like feel like every time I, like on Instagram, I'm constantly seeing parents making kids pancakes, <laughs> like turtle pancakes or just whatever. Kids like pancakes. You know what? It's easy. It's like easy effort, high reward. Doesn't Got take any effort on the part of the parent. Children are very happy. So that's my whole parenting philosophy. If I can do something that requires minimal effort on my part, but makes them happy, those are the things I'm gravitating towards. <laughs> anyway, um, let's see. Well, oh, one last thing. One last thing. Um, let's see. What if you could. Well, I want to know something funny about you. I want to know. I want to know. <laughs> you tell me your embarrassing food thing don't be embarrassed like i tell people there's nothing embarrassing but is there something you like to eat that i don't know you wouldn't want published in a magazine about your you know your culinary history and life and blah 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 i know you've eaten at very nice restaurants but um when you're alone it, you know because you are you're solo and you can eat whatever you want like what are you eating what are you eating late at night or early in the morning when no one's watching <laughs> I don't know. My my Chobani with blueberries wasn't exciting enough, huh? <laughs> oh, well, you know, that's very healthy. I mean, that's like the that's like public food. Well, I would eat that in public. There's definitely it, food that I would eat in public and food that I would eat in privately. Well, that, well, just to, as a point, you know, sometimes people, I post these pictures of burgers and pizza and all this stuff, which I do eat and I do enjoy, but I do also eat pretty healthy, especially when I'm not like checking out restaurants. So, even though it, I don't know, that's just my natural tendency. But I'll tell you one, I guess a treat I like that is kind of dangerous to have around because I like it so much is um, peanut butter M&Ms. Have okay. you ever had them? They come in, the, it's like the orange package. Yeah, yeah. Those to me are delicious. <laughs> You know, they're very, they're highly addictive. And you know, my kids, they don't, they said they don't like nuts. They, they, they even will tell you they don't like nuts. 
Um, and they only had regular M&Ms for the longest time. But I would always get the peanut M&Ms. I don't eat a lot of candy, but you know, like every now and then if I eat. So the first time, I remember the first time they had it and they didn't understand what was in it. Like they, were, they were young. They didn't understand that it was a peanut. They were like, what is this? And why is it so good? And why are you holding out on me? And like, it's a peanut M&M. And that, that was like mind blowing to them. Um, but actually, I'm there's another one that I'm I'm more into than the peanut. It's peanut butter. Oh, peanut butter. Oh, it's does it peanut taste like butter. The yellow the the peanut comes. I just visual the 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 peanut one comes in a yellow package. Yellow pack, yes. <laughs> the peanut butter comes in an orange package. Oh, like okay. if you see it at the grocery store, it's. Peanut you should butter. try it. It's a, it's a bigger, it's bigger than the the plain ones. It's kind of like the size of the the peanut, but it's peanut butter, and it just, as they say, melts in your mouth, uh -huh. <laughs> not in your hands. Not it's good. delicious. Oh well, I think I, it's the best M and M. I bet I would like them because I do like Reese's Pieces, you know, which I remember very distinctly. Yeah. When I think of Reese's Pieces, I think of E. T. Do you remember when? Did you remember? Mm -hmm. when E.T. came out. Well, apparently yeah. M&M's wanted to, or they wanted to use M&M's in that movie, but M&M's, I don't know, couldn't strike a deal or said no, or I don't know, didn't want to, whatever. But anyway, so they went with M &M, Reese's Pieces, um, which I don't know if was out on, at that time or if it was new, launched at that time. But anyway, when that movie E.T. came out, that candy became the most popular candy, what every kid wanted to have in their lunch and every, you know, it became, it blew up. And I always, I always think about that thinking. Man, that Eminem executive was so screwed. I mean, he's just like, afterwards, he's just like, the whole board of directors is like, what were you thinking, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, marketing, PR. Marketing, <laughs> PR. You know how it is. We work in marketing and PR. Anyway, on that note, <laughs> thank you, Sherry, so much for joining. Thank you for listening to episode five. Food people are the best people with Sherry Bayer of all in the industry and Bayer Public Relations. If you want to keep up with what's happening in the industry, be sure to download and listen to our podcast on Heritage Radio Network. Thanks again, Sherry. Thank you so much. 